Here's everything you might have missed on Ms. Marvel Episode 4. Welcome back, you Marvel maniacs, to another breakdown of Ms. Marvel. Episode 4, titled Seeing Red, took us from Jersey City to the streets of Karachi as Kamala tries to solve the mystery of her heritage. We're going to break down all the Easter eggs and hidden details that you might have missed in just a moment, but to do so, we have to spoil what happens. So if you haven't seen it yet, leave now before things get a little too spicy for you. Bonnie booty! Wait, you not warn me this thing was death? Okay, let's get into it, shall we? So the episode begins with Kamala flying to Pakistan alongside her mother Muniba. She brought her trusty flying sloth toy with her, which is the namesake of both her YouTube channel and a toy that she has in the comics. A very similar storyline to this episode plays out in the comics as well in 2016's Ms. Marvel number 12. Kamala, feeling alienated from her friends, flies to Karachi in order to see her family and get away from the stresses of her home life. Even Kamala's running gag about food being too spicy is straight out of the comics, where Hernani adjusts the food to white people levels. Hey, that's me! So it's no coincidence that the QR code on the photographer's booth later in the episode leads to a free download of this exact issue. While Kamala searches for answers about the bangle, she gets to experience life in Karachi and the long-lasting effects of the partition as well. Now, for those who don't know, in 1947, British India was divided into two independent nations, India and Pakistan. What followed was displacement and a bloody civil war along staunch religious lines with the Hindu majority in India and the Muslim majority in Pakistan. On the show, Kamala's family fled to Karachi where her grandmother Sana and her cousin Zainab and Awais still live. Although Kamala's cousins seem well-adjusted to modern life, Sana is still reckoning with the effects of the partition. It's felt not only through her feelings of discomfort and a lack of sense of identity even decades later, but through all the newspaper clippings on the wall about what happened in the immediate aftermath. Either way, Kamala's grandmother Sana, named for Ms. Marvel co-creator Sana Amanat, must live awfully far from the airport because by the time they finally get to her house, they have driven all night long. And given the tense greeting between Muniba and Sana, that must have been a long car ride indeed. Now, we do get a fun Easter egg during the title scene. When the Ms. Marvel logos flash on the screen, there's one that's green, red, white, and blue, and that appears to be inspired by the Jerseys-Pakistan War during the 1992 Cricket World Cup. While no photos of Kamala's great-grandmother and Nord Dimension refugee Aisha remain, Sana has painted her portrait. We also see the photo of a young Sana and her father Hassan, who's played by Fawan Khan. Now, given how the episode ends, we'll likely see a lot more of Khan than just this picture in the next episode. Much more surprising, though, is how blasé Kamala's grandmother is about her genetics. I, I don't see what the whole fuss is about. It's just genetics. No. Sana says that she used the bangle on that fateful night when her family was trying to catch the last train out of Karachi, and she was able to follow a trail of stars, probably Noor, back to her father. It was apparently the last time that she used it, hence why the clandestines were unable to track it down for decades and decades. As Kamala's trying to sleep, we see the hundreds of pieces to which she alludes, fragments of painful memories like her betrayal of Nakia and Najma's betrayal of Kamala. The next day at the boat club, you can hear Shay Gill and Ali Seti's hit song, Pasuri. Although Kamala's AvengerCon shirt is pretty cool, the boat club has a no-jeans policy. And while they do have a sweet Captain Marvel symbol on them, Kamala, you have to remember, is part gin. And here at the boat club, they are strictly anti-genie. I said... When Kamala ditches her cousins for a side quest to the Karachi train station, she finds an Ant-Man mural. In Urdu, Scott Lang says something like, As powerful as an ant! Ants! While the inscription reads, You can start small and still be larger than life. Now, the mural also gives another nod to original Ms. Marvel artist and co-creator Adrian Alfona. 
Kamala then winds up fighting another masked vigilante, the Red Dagger. Better known as Kareem, the Red Dagger also first appeared in Ms. Marvel number 12. In that comic, he was a family friend who lived in the same building as Kamala's grandmother by day and protected the streets of Pakistan as a superhero by night. In the show, Kareem is part of an ancient order of people known as the Red Daggers, a new addition to the MCU. It's unclear whether there are more than just Kareem and Walid in this order, but that hideout seems awfully big for just the two of them. Now, during their fight, Kareem mentions that he sensed the Noor energy emanating from Kamala and the Bangle, so maybe he has powers himself that we're not privy to just yet. At one point, Kareem asks if all masked Americans have superpowers, and the joke about Kamala being potentially Canadian is extra funny because Iman Vellani is actually Canadian in real life. It's also funny because clearly Americans don't wear masks at all. Is that too... During the fight, Kamala does another superhero landing after evading a dagger, and eventually Kareem does hit her with a well-timed Terminator 2 reference. Come with me if you want to live. What? Just kidding, I've always wanted to say that. Inside the Red Dagger's hideout, Walid hits Kamala with some lore, revealing how their order protects people from the threats of the unseen. He even mentions that Thor might have been called a djinn had he landed in the Himalayan mountains, which is a nice callback to Kamala wondering if she could be Asgardian. I found out what I am. And it's not his guardian. The Red Daggers used a next-gen display device similar to the Disney multiplane camera, which was used to create early parallax effects in 2D animation. As Walid explained, the clandestines apparently don't simply wish to go home to the Nor dimension. They want to break down the barrier between worlds and let it consume our dimension entirely. Now, since it's not quite a parallel universe, it's difficult to call this situation an incursion, but that concept of two universes colliding most recently appeared in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and that may still be the best way of making sense of what's going on here. But most important of all is Waleed's assertion that there are many dimensions around us that we cannot see. This is just one of them. Between the Quantum Realm and Ant-Man, the Nor Dimension in Ms. Marvel, the Dark and Mirror Dimensions in Doctor Strange, and what appears to be the Shadow Realm in Thor Love and Thunder, who knows what other dimensions await us in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Interestingly enough, Wally doesn't seem to mention Aisha and the Clandestines as being one and the same. And with Najma's line about betrayal in Episode 3, it seems like Aisha might have been playing the long con with this group the whole time. Walid's translation of the bangle, what you seek is seeking you, also seems ominous, especially if Kamala is seeking power from the abilities the bangles let her access. If Kamala's power is capable of shattering the veil between worlds, then she should be extra careful of what's on the other side. Next, when we catch up with the clandestines, they're being held at a Department of Damage Control Supermax prison. As it turns out, this is the same prison where Abomination is being held that we saw in the She-Hulk trailers. And much like Abomination casually dipping out for cage fights with Wong and Shang-Chi, the clandestines easily escape custody. And that makes me question the whole maximum security part of this prison, because it seems pretty lax. We then get a sense of just how deep the rift between Muniba and Sana is when they share a quiet night at home. While Kamala's off with Kareem befriending the locals, Muniba has a heartfelt talk with her mother about how her crazy theories about the Bangle and Jin were partly what drove her to move halfway around the world. It's a fascinating inverse of the struggle that Muniba's having with her own daughter, who she views as having her head in the clouds, when Kamala really needs her mom's support with these otherworldly events that she's experiencing. Now, back at the Red Dagger hideout, they help Kamala to better understand her powers. Kamala's status as a Jin-Human hybrid apparently makes her unique and perhaps links her to the matter of this world. And that's why her powers tend to manifest the way they do. 
Waleed gives her a blue vest, which helps form a prototypical version of her superhero costume from the comics when combined with her red outfit and the mask that Bruno made her. After making shockingly good time, the clandestines haul ass to Karachi to chase down Kamala, Waleed, and Kareem in a brightly colored truck that looks straight out of Ms. Marvel number 12. When Kareem peels out in the tuk-tuk, what appears to be literal Easter eggs spill out of the back. Although Kamala did not learn how to drive stick, she does stick to her time-tested maneuver of immediately driving in reverse. <laughs> Thankfully though, her one driving lesson with Kamran taught her a thing or two about showing up in the nick of time mid-chase. Eventually, Najma winds up stabbing Kamala's bangle with a weapon called a maduvu used in the Tamil martial art of Silamba. It unleashes a wave of energy that opens a portal which then transports Kamala back in time to the night of Sana's escape to Pakistan during the partition. Now you really get a sense of the chaos and desperation of that night as people spill onto, out of, and on top of many different trains, all trying to flee to safety. But the question is, did Kamala actually travel back in time? Or is this just a vision of what happened on that fateful night? If the bangle lets her create vivid constructs with her mind, maybe it could let her create vivid hallucinations of the past as well. Of course, if it is time travel, what if Kamala was the one who wound up saving her grandmother that night, making a strange time loop of sorts? I'm not saying it's a Kang watch, but at very least, a con watch. This is wild. Regardless, next week will likely feature Kamala finally meeting her great-grandparents Aisha and Hassan, as well as potentially learning the location of that all-important second bangle. And if they are the Negabands or the Quantum Bands, then it makes sense why they would have the power to open portals to other dimensions. But then again, the Nor Dimension could very well be its own separate location with its own separate lore entirely. Only time, and maybe time travel, will tell. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That is everything we spotted in Ms. Marvel Episode 4. With just two episodes to go, things are heating up, and we'll have even more deep dives for you over on Nerdist in the days ahead. For now, though, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.